smartest thing I did, man, was marrying a woman I married. Because my woman grew up. A black woman. A black. I married a black woman. A lot mm-hmm. of my critics did not. What's up, world? And welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics. On this show, we'll first discuss a couple of news nuggets, such as Yasin Bey publicly apologizing to Drake. Also, Benzino admitting that he had the help of ghostwriters on his latest Eminem disc. And also, Killer Mike sweeps the Grammys. What was our reaction? And should we even care about the Grammys still? Then we'll dive into some of the best hip-hop supergroups and surprise team-ups that impressed us and a few that did not impress us. Then we'll dive into a retroactive review of Kanye West's college dropout album, which turns 20 years old this week. We'll discuss the impact it made at the time, our favorite tracks, and how well it's aged. Then for our album Face-Off, we'll be putting Overcast by Atmosphere against Doom by Mood and weigh in on which album we felt was better and why. And then we'll share what we've been bumping for the week. So with that, please kick back and enjoy the show. Yo, where do you get these images from, brah? <laughs> you be, you be killing me, man. Where do you go, man? Triggerniggas.com? Like, where? <laughs> this particular one I got from uh, it's a cat that makes t-shirts that I mess with. And uh, this was one of the... He had a... Um, he was just doing like a... a um, I guess he had put up a post where he was showing a bunch of people that had this particular shirt, and my man's came up on like the the, the slideshow. I was like, wow. this is hilarious. Wow, wow, wow! I've seen worse. I've seen worse. <laughs> hey, I ain't even gonna lie though. That, that iPhone case is fire. I didn't even look at the case. I was just I, I dug the shirt and I was like, yeah, nigga, you ain't never been in no Harold's. <laughs> Or you went to the one in Wicker Park, maybe. Exactly, exactly. The, the 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 one downtown. He didn't have to order through three inches of bulletproof glass. From Arabs, I order fries. Inspiration when I write, I see my daughter's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that iPhone case is is yeah, I, I rock that. But uh, but bro, man, how you been? Much better. Good. Much better. Good. Good, yeah, man. N- niggas was coming, man, with the with the pitchforks and torches over that last bracket. They was they was they was they was hitting me up, coming at me about a uh, about a uh, uh, Black Eyed Peas beating out Method Man and Jay Z, which I understand. <laughs> I I can't say that I'm I'm beefing with it, but I would as I would always say, uh, let your voice be heard. The mics is always open. It's always open. They was also upset about Foundation by Brand New being beaten out the pillage. Why? I don't know why either. Like w- one of these is like I'm not I'm not knocking the pillage at all. I mess with the pillage. But it's not the Foundation. It's not foundational. It's not as consistent. Nah. It's 
not as consistent. And of course, they were upset about Lauren Hill losing in the second round to Pete Rock's Soul Survivor. I, I understand why. I understand why they would have been mad. Um, I don't know that. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, Soul Survivor is a like through and through hip hop album where the miseducation is not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they, they. One of my guys was like, "Yeah, you severely, you. I think you severely uh, um, uh, underrating." He said, "What was it?" He said, "I was severely underrating the pillage," and I'm like, "Nah, I think y'all, y'all severely underrate foundation." Like, the pillage was good. Don't get me wrong. The pillage, I messed with that album. I was listening to it today, in fact. But yeah, just hey, man, that's the way it shook out way it shook out so but there will be more yearly uh brackets coming down coming down the line um i definitely need to do 1999 a lot of good quality albums dropped in that year as well as 97 and 2000 as well 2000 is going to be really tough that's uh, that's going to be the tough bracket that's going to be a tough one but yeah yeah those are 97 is going to be tough too 97 is going to be tough too not as tough as 2000 i think you're right about that one though yeah, 2000, people kind of forget about 2000, but yeah, two, 2000 has some fire, like, 2000 definitely has some fire, but, uh, but hey, hopefully we'll get, you know, hopefully we'll get more participation, but I was, I was very satisfied with how that, how the last bracket turned out. In other news, man, Yasin Bey, uh, he came out and apologized to Drake and kind of clarified his statements, uh, after all the blowback about his comment about drake being pop you know he he tried he tried to reach out to drake directly he posted a uh i guess you can call it an apology and, and a clarification and um i want to read what he said he basically so he said you are a very talented mc but for me i require more of myself and others than just talent or charm or charisma particularly in times of urgent crisis and what I would like to see in terms of creators or creative people in the world as it relates to our culture is for people to connect with us beyond the jukebox or the dance floor. He said, a fair weather friend can hardly be called a friend at all. The people who party with you, that's cool. But will they show up for you when you're at the triage? Um, that last part was kind of bizarre. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he has reached out to Drake. Uh, so far, there's no confirmation that Drake's reached back out to him. Do you respect the move? Do you respect him trying to be the bigger man, I guess, and apologize and clarify his statements? No, not publicly. I feel like if if this was, I only saw a clip of it and it sounds, it does sound genuine, right? It doesn't sound performative to me. I feel like he meant what he was saying, but I feel like the audience for that is Drake. That ain't really for our consumption. And and when it's put out there like that, it kind of comes off a little desperate to me. As though you're like, yo, I'm putting this out in the world because I don't want I don't want the heat from the Drake stands. Which is yeah, that part I don't respect. If it's a matter of, you know what, man to man, I, I feel like what I said may have been misconstrued. This is what I meant. And I do feel like he has access to be able to get to Drake. Like he may not be able to get him on the phone, but he can get to somebody who can get to him. Yeah. yeah and if it's yeah. about that, just talk to that man. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, to be honest, like, I, I understand what, he, what he's doing. I'm just indifferent, a little indifferent to it because the the, the damage has been done. It's like the, the two paces out of the two. You know, right. it, for what it was worth, it did spark a lot of good conversations about hip-hop and what's quality hip-hop and, and what's pop and it's being labeled pop a bad thing. So for that reason, I feel like he didn't really need to apologize, but I, I kind of understand him being the the, the older dude in this equation not wanting to appear like he's just knocking the youth you know what i mean right. but right. i'm just i'm just a little indifferent to it because it's like i number one i don't think drake is going to reach back out to him i don't i just don't absolutely think drake, not drake's that type of dude he, he strikes me as the type of dude that would only do it if it had a lot of eyes on him or if, if there were right. if there were more eyes on the situation like if it was like a kind of like the situation with him and meek where the beef was very public and then the making amends was also very public he would do it but with this i, I think drake has no interest in in reaching back out to, to most death it's like nah. you know yeah why you know and 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 i guess i'm i'm indifferent to, to most death because he has nothing to gain by reaching out to drake it's not like <laughs> it's not like it's not like Drake's gonna come out publicly and be like, yeah, all this forgiven, we squashed that. Furthermore, I took his words to heart. I'm gonna start making some more um some some music with some more substance. It's like that's not gonna happen either. Right. At all. Oh yeah, I just I'm just kinda indifferent to the whole thing. <laughs> but uh yeah, you. yeah. But in other news, man, speaking of beefs, <laughs> did you did you ever get a chance? To hear the Benzino disc that he did on Eminem, I did. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And and I called shenanigans immediately. <laughs> yeah, so like, that's why I sent that uh that video. Like, <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah, yeah. So, oh man, just an update in that situation. So Benzino has admitted to having some help with writing that particular disc. He stopped short of saying that he had ghostwriters, but he did admit to having help, and he even gave some, um, I guess, justification over it and was like, yeah, you know, when, when lyricists are in the studio together, this person might say, oh, say this line like that or mention this or mention that, and, you know, you're still the person writing it all down. He, he tried to use that justification, but, like, do you think th does that matter to you? Does that matter that he had help? Yes, it matters because one, it's a diss. Two, he is being deceptive in the way he's describing it. Like, yes, people do write in the studio with other people around, and you know they might recite some lines while they're doing it, and somebody might, "Yo, I would finish the bar like this." Oh, that's dope but you're writing like you can tell the difference between one artist's voice and somebody else's and this verse from benzino was a far cry from anything else he's done yeah that nigga that nigga had a pen on steroids <laughs> lag on the play immediately <laughs> because because the, the song was crazy it was. It was. I kind of. I kind of wish, you know, this latest revelation with him having help. I. I, I kind of wish that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah, because it waters it down, and it. And it. 
Eminem kind of gets away with what would have been a, a, a formidable diss that would have he would have had to respond to. Yeah, yeah. It kind of it kind of robs everybody of of what could have been a good moment, you know, like yeah. what could have been a, a a a competitive back back and forth, you know. But yeah, I I was not for some reason I, I wasn't surprised when I when I heard all. about it. I mean, but we I was know Benzino's like, work. Yeah, yeah, we know his work. You know what I mean? There, there's a reason he's a pariah in in the hip hop industry because because you know he was out there active like. He didn't really give us too much to. Um, he didn't really give us too much material to to actually look at him as a respectable MC. He just did. Nah. You know? Nah. And and you know attaching himself to this bizarre beef with Eminem was just even was just even worse. It's like man, just just go somewhere. But I think it's you know I mean I appreciate his honesty and everything, but man, dog, I would have kept that to myself. <laughs> right. Right. I would have kept that to myself. Like, he um, could have kept the whole thing to himself. Yeah, you know, like this did not have to happen. None of it. I mean, I, I could see him. I could see why he 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 surfaced to say something. But like, you know, coming out with that this, just just sit on it. You know what I'm saying? Just just sit on that little bit of info if that is the case. But like, because you know how people are gonna react. Like, you know, people are gonna be like, "Ah, oh, man, you see, you couldn't. This nigga couldn't even write his own response for it." You know, and kind of negates I mean, every everything he said. We kind of knew it anyway, though, and I think that's what he was getting at during the the beginning of it. He was like, "You know, people are asking me whether or not somebody else wrote it." Like he <laughs> he had to know this was gonna be the response, and the defense that he gave was so weak was basically like he said basically yeah I had ghostwriters without saying it but why does that matter I spit it and blah 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 the problem with that argument that I've had for the longest that people use with that and you know I've, I've heard people say oh well you know Beyonce don't write her own songs which hey she does but even if she doesn't like the talent in that genre of music is not specifically in the lyricism it is true. in the vocals that's true. a different art form true. that Very would be true. like you know oh uh miles davis doesn't compose his own songs he just plays them you know what i mean this is the, like true wow yeah it with, with rap i mean the thing with rap and him saying it 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 continues a, a very long tradition held by black americans of being sharp-witted sharp-tongued playing the playing the dozens as it were uh going back and forth where you know that's that's something with us that's cultural you know what i mean and rap kind of continues that tradition of being able to verbally spar with somebody back and forth and talk slick that's the whole appeal of rap so in the context of two mcs going at it it's very important that whatever you're saying in response to the other person is is of your own. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly right. What with, with why R and B is different. And it's also the same with rock and roll. There's there's plenty exactly. of rock and roll hits that were written by one person and sung by another. You know, it, it which is which is fine. The the talent in that is in the music and the vocals. The lyrics are secondary. Yeah. Hip hop is an art form where the lyrics are primary. 
Exactly. Exactly. So, hey, <laughs> like he, he should have just he should have just basked in the moment and kept his mouth shut. That's what he should have did. But yeah. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> Benzino continues to disappoint. <laughs> right. What else is new? Right. But um, man, let's talk about the Grammys, bro. Killer Mike, man, he he swept it. He he, as much as the Grammys can be swept by a rapper, he um right. he won for best rap album for Michael. He won for best rap song, Scientists and Engineers, and he won for best rap performance, also with Scientists and Engineers. I was saying that song should have won, and I had a lot of a lot of people were saying that Lil Uzi Vert song, whatever it was called, I can't even remember the name of it, was probably going to win. I want to rock. I want to rock. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, I went on TikTok and I actually heard the song after that episode. I'm like, oh, I remember this. I'm like, no, it's this doesn't deserve the win. Now, I know it's uh, a lot of people have heard it and have, you know made little TikTok videos to it, but no, that didn't deserve the win. But he he swept. He won he won three Grammys. His first go round, you know, I guess submitting his material to the Grammys. But man, what were your thoughts, man, on, on Killer Mike taking it? Like I I was I didn't think he was gonna go home with with one Grammy, let alone three. I I've been saying the whole time he's gonna get the the rap album of the year. Like, you did. I, I thought. Yeah, I thought he might have not gotten the. Um, the individual song ones because that just felt like a broader field but uh yeah i was i was happy for him um but we kind of can't can't go back and forth with the grammys all the time like when they when they get it right we, we praise them and say they are you know they 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 matter but then when they screw it up it's like oh the grammys don't matter anyway it, you know what i mean you got, we kind of got to pick the lane but I can say that lately, like clearly there have been changes in, in the academy and the voting. And I know we've talked about this on the show before, um, but that's that's clearly beginning to come out because people who actually listen to rap music are having an input on it, uh, input in it. So they're they're able to have more thoughtful discussions. At least it seems like it. So it's not just a matter of, you know, these old white recording, uh, recording academy voters who just like ask their kids. Yeah. Yo, what what rapper should I listen to? Oh, well, you know, me and my friends, we play Little Uzi Vert while we're driving to school in New Trier. <laughs> and shopping at Target. <laughs> so many skews. <laughs> this mall has everything. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was happy I, about that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, nah, I, I was, I was wrapping it up. I was happy about that. Though. I was, I was glad to see you know Killer Mike got his moment, um, and really that that style of hip hop getting his moment too. That was, that was refreshing to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I love that an album with substance was given the best award, the best rap album award. I was thrilled that a 48 year old rapper won, mm -hmm. um, not just for best rap album, rap, rap album, but best, you know, best song and best performance as well. Because I do think as good as the album was, Scientists and Engineers was a highlight on a very good album. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I was thrilled to see that, man. And like knowing that he poured a lot of his own personal, you know, money and resources into the recording of the album, 
you know, it just, it just, I like to see hard work pay off and see a dude put, put, just put the work in and be, be rewarded for it. You know, it was a mature album. It was a reflective album. It was an emotional album, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny. One quote unquote rap artist said years ago that, uh, if you want emotion and want to feel something deep, don't listen to hip hop. And he was a guest. So that, 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 oh. that, <laughs> that tells right. you everything you need to know about that statement. Yeah, but, exactly. um, <laughs> you know, an album like this winning, you know, kind of, kind of flips that on its head, flips that notion on its head, you know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to him. The album, the album is phenomenal. The album is phenomenal. It, it won for the vibes and stuff awards last year. It won for best album. It was definitely top of my list. Was it top of, no, no. Sky Zoo was top of my list. It was, it was, uh, I think I had him at, I had Killer Mike in number two. Um, it was but, number one for me, for sure. Yeah, but it was number one for you and a lot of other people on the show. Yeah. So, yeah, man, props, props to them for that. Have you heard about what the barbs have been coming out and saying against Killer Mike? Oh, God, no. Okay, so we all saw the footage of him getting arrested after the Grammys, right? Right. Because uh, apparently he got into an altercation with somebody before the show. And I read it. it I read an article about it. It said it's just a misdemeanor charge. So he's he's probably going to beat it pretty, pretty easily. And the Barbs were basically saying that because he won over Nikki, they're saying a couple of things. I wish they'd make up their mind on what brand of craziness they're going to go with. But like, first they said that because he beat Nikki, he got arrested because of Nikki's juju because I guess all people from Trinidad do juju or something. Oh god. Then they said that Nikki was supposed to win the awards he won and the Grammys messed up and they took him out in handcuffs to not make a scene on stage and to explain to him that he had to give his Grammys to Nikki. Those are both outrageous. The first one is racist, first of all. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It kind of low key is. <laughs> and I'm I'm sure that that was started from some blonde shit. Um, but the one about putting that man in handcuffs, actually, that's kind of racist too. <laughs> As I think about it, like you don't think that he would be able to uh, restrain himself in that moment. Like, yeah, he would be upset just like anybody else would be upset. But those things happen. You don't put a, you don't put a black man in handcuffs over an inconvenience. Yeah, considering yeah. the history and. If you got any sense, especially something like that, that's definitely not the dude you want to do that with. Because that seems like if that were the case, that would be something you probably want to have done quietly. If you know anything about Killer Mike, he's nothing, <laughs> nothing about him is quiet. Yeah, that is true. Particularly around issues of, you know, incarceration and things of that nature. Oh, yep. It's just, it's just a bad week to be a Nikki fan, bro. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, it's time to go ahead and give it up. She, she down bad. I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like, y'all, y'all now, y'all coming at him? Like, is he won a Grammy over your girl? Like, 
you know, people were making a big deal out the fact like Nicki Minaj has never won a Grammy, which I, I, I never knew. But again, I don't I don't care. Like, and y'all shouldn't care either. Like, you know, if you like her, support her. Like, simple right. as that. Right. Um, and that is kind of surprising that she hasn't, because that seems like the the space that she would thrive in. But it would seem like it. But you know, I. When I think about it, like it kind of makes sense that she hasn't won because I can't think of anything she should have won a Grammy for. Like nah. maybe, maybe best new artist when she first came out. But that would depend on who came out at the same time. Like I would really have to look at the categories where she was nominated because I, I can imagine. That's true. Unless it went to like Macklemore or something like that, that she, she probably didn't get snubbed. That's she, true. You know, lost out to better competition, I would assume. Yeah. But um, yeah, I man, people need to stop caring about that. But going back to your statement about waffling back and forth with the Grammys, it's like my default position is that the Grammys don't matter. I don't even be honest with you, dude. I don't even put any stock in the BET Awards. Um, Definitely not. BET Awards, Soul Train Awards, like I don't put any stock in any of that, let alone the Grammys. But it, it is cool to just it, it's cool to see an album that deserved it get its shine. It's just and an artist who's been grinding for years get it shine you know it's just cool to see and so all these these young gen gen zers out here talking about who is killer mike shut up just 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 have a seat and shut up like like this ain't he ain't he ain't one of your little fly by night artists this man has been grinding since the late 90s and 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 rapping his butt off since then Right. And by even saying that, you're you're just you're you're proving that you're one not old enough, two not invested in the culture enough, and three, frankly, just not cool enough to even know about Killer Mike. Right. I don't know. I don't know how a person can know who Outkast is, but not and claim to be an Outkast fan, and not know who Killer Mike is. Exactly. You know, it's just oh man, it's like people like the man already got a Grammy from being with Outkast. Did he? Yeah, he got one for the whole world. Oh, okay. I didn't know that won a Grammy. Yeah. Okay, okay. Wow, okay. And he had the coldest verse on there. He did. He did. But yeah, the 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 I, I do think the Grammys sometimes know when they've screwed up and they'll give out consolation awards. I don't think this was that, but I, I do think they've done that in the past. It's like that that yeah. Macklemore over uh, Macklemore over Kendrick Gear, that was just. I mean, there was immediate yeah. backlash to that. Yes, you know, and, and then they born out. I mean, look at the, how their careers have turned out. Yeah, yeah, and Macklemore, we haven't really heard anything or paid attention to him since. And then Kendrick continues to to, to break new ground with his music. So, right, you know, hopefully this starts a trend of them getting it right. I doubt it though. I'm. I'm I'm very pessimistic when it comes to the Grammys, but like, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I, I like to see it. I like to see it when they do get it right. I think because they've I, been better for sure. They have. They're getting it. They're getting it. They're getting it. I like, but to my point though, you put those same five rap albums up for an award for a best of award at the BET Awards. I don't think Killer Mike would have walked away with the with the win. I agree. I agree 
You know, I heard somebody say that this was an NPR move, an NPR ASS move. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like <laughs> and like, I kind of got to agree, but it doesn't mean it's not the right move. <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> they, they definitely not wrong about that. Um, my my take on the whole thing with the Grammys, though, like they don't matter to me, but I'm not in that industry. I understand why an artist would covet that. Like that is the, for better or worse, that is the um, that's the establishment in your industry. You know what I mean? That's how you're recognized in the industry that you're in, and yeah, we can say, you know, we don't care about the Grammys and this that and the third but when it comes to the business side of it like that matters that that kind of thing gives you negotiating power when it goes to your next projects or if your label deal is up and you you shop it for another deal or even if your deal isn't up and you, you know you work on your next project you're like yo i need to up this budget yeah. i'm grammy winner now you know what i mean it gives you it gives you a level of cachet that you wouldn't have had or open some doors yeah. that you wouldn't have had access to otherwise so for the artist it matters but for me as a fan I, eh, it, it don't really it, don't, it doesn't matter to me as much especially since they don't traditionally respect hip-hop or black music in general um because frankly they just didn't understand it and it's it's gotten better but it's, it's been a slow moving train yeah you're right it has it has but yeah yeah you're right yeah having having that that win under your belt it gives them a lot more yeah, leverage yeah like you said when it comes to recording budgets and um you know certain decision making with his next projects you know mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you're absolutely right price goes yep. up for, for features and all that yep yep and the dude can spit man he can spit his heart out you know like yeah yeah dude can spit man all right let's move right along man to our next segment man mad lib and freddie gibbs they just announced a uh a tour uh that they'll be uh embarking on pretty soon uh in celebration of the 10-year anniversary of their first collaborative project pinata um which got me to thinking um when it comes to rap supergroups or surprise rap team-ups and you know collaborative albums and stuff like that what were some of the most surprising yet dope rap team-ups in your opinion and we're gonna we're gonna keep the conversation strictly i guess to just albums as opposed to songs because if we get into songs that's gonna be too long yeah too long of a conversation but (laughs) when it came to songs like what i'm sorry to albums rather what team ups were pleasant surprises for you I, i gotta i gotta admit when i when i first i was familiar with freddie gibbs I first got familiar to Freddie Gibbs in like I want to say 2009. Um, a white dude from work actually put me on to Freddie Gibbs. A uh, real cool mm-hmm. dude. Shout out to him. He put me on to Freddie Gibbs. He was like, "Yeah, is this dude from Gary, Indiana? He's local." And I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll check him out." And dude was dope, man. He was dope. And um, 
he eventually ended up doing this this collab with Mad Lib, which kind of kind of surprised me, but not really because Mad Lib was kind of already collaborating with artists who were kind of in the same lane as Freddie Gibbs, so to speak, and. Freddie Gibbs was kind of collaborating with other producers that were kind of in the same lane as Mad Lib. So it didn't shock me too much, but I didn't know that it was going to work, that the combination of those two was going to work the way it did. But what are some other standout team ups to you in, in hip hop that that stand out to you? Um, Speaking of Mad Lib, uh, the, the Liberation album he did with Kweli was one that was like surprisingly really good squally had not put out really anything that great yeah um, at the time uh man the Nas and hit boy world is is crazy that one was definitely a pleasant surprise for me when first king's disease came out and i heard it was like a hit boy project i'm like uh, i don't know about this yeah, I was the same way, bro. I'm like the, the the nigga who did niggas in Paris, right? I'm like, oh, and like, and Nas is known for picking terrible beats. I'm like, yeah, I thought we were going to get another Nostradamus, bro. Yeah, man. I was I was kind of afraid that he was going to try to you know do this youth movement thing, man. And in some ways, he kind of did, but it was it was very authentic to him, and it it, it man it worked. Dang, missed. Yeah. For me, man, the, the the ones that stand out are the, the there's two there's two team ups that stand out the most to me. And this is actually apropos of what we were just talking about. One the first one is Run the Jewels. Um mm. and the second one is Zarface. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the two that stand out the most to me. I mean, Run the Jewels when it when it first came out, I'm like LP and Killer Mike. That's a that's an odd pairing but i'll wait for the reviews to drop i'm not necessarily gonna pull up on that one on day one i'm gonna wait for the reviews to drop and bro it was it was landing you know at the top of like everybody's year-end list in 2013 and i'm like right all right i I'll, i guess i'll check it out and boy oh boy like why i'm like i'm like I'm like, they got something here they got something yeah. here like yeah. like i don't know how this is working i i was already a, I, I'm not going to say I was an LP fan. I, I was an LP fan. I was an LP fan because I, I love Fantastic Damage. I loved I'll Sleep When You're Dead. I was a fan of him when he was with Company Flow. I was actually more of an LP fan than a Killer Mike fan, uh, to be perfectly honest. I just kind of saw Killer Mike as this dude who was a feature monster as opposed to this dude who could craft a whole album that I would pay attention to. But yeah, it, it took for him to get with LP to get to that point, though, because before they did Run the Jewels, that's kind of how I knew it was going to work because rap music. Now, yeah. I don't know how they came together because I agree like that. That formula should not have worked. Yeah. Because, you know, Killer Mike was street dude who dabbled in, in, in some political stuff occasionally. But that really wasn't like his social commentary stuff really was not part of his music early on, not until rap music. Right, and LP yeah. is a space cadet as a producer, so that that just should not have worked, and it did. And then when they got together, you know, with both of them on the mic, is man, it has taken off, and 
they might have the most that's a little hyperbolic i won't say the most but they got they up there for like the best four album run of anybody in hip-hop ever i agree i agree um when i think about four album runs man it, <laughs> i mean there's very few that i could think of that can box with theirs um right especially if you're talking about groups like and you can expand it out to everybody but if you if you keep it the groups it's even it's even tighter yeah there's outcast and then there's daylight and that's about it yeah i'm trying to think um i mean, I mean the who can't do it yeah the who didn't do it i guess you can Tribe. make an argument for Tribe somewhat yeah you can make an argument for tribe you really can't make that argument with mob deep man not, not like that yeah not like that bro not like that and and the fact that when you look at their discography and here's the other thing that makes them so different and no matter what album you pick the one two three or four either one of those you can make an argument for it, it being their best album <laughs> yes yes you have a legit argument for it like like you can't really say any of their albums are demonstrably worse than the others like nah it comes down to personal favorites yeah it's just consistency it's like it's it's it speaks to their consistency rather it's like for me personally like like i like three the best it just it had the, it had more it had it had more tracks i could personally relate to mm. and then after that it gets fuzzy it's like i think i want to go for but then i like i mean man i listened to one recently and one is still really good two seems to always be my default answer but three is hard and Fogat pharrell's talking about <laughs> look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar yeah oh man like like yeah like you can't you can make an argument for either either one of those either, any of their four albums to be their best it's like yeah. it's just it's that good and then Zarface, the combination of 7L and Esoteric who they were like underground darlings for a little bit but like nobody really cared yeah nobody really cared like like you know they were from Boston you know a city that didn't really have a, a respected hip-hop scene you know and then they hook up with Inspector Deck and they form Zarface. now I I remember when they first got with inspector deck on the um on the twelve twelve album and I, it was the best song on the whole project and i'm like man that really worked well and then when they announced that they were forming a group called czarface i was like all right i'll pull up for this you know hopefully that wasn't a fluke uh it wasn't you know it was not <laughs> right and fortunately they've been able to keep their you know their run going quite well you know what i mean this last our face project might be my favorite one you know, so I just, oh man, like I, I love seeing artists, especially veterans, like like Killer Mike, like LP, link up with each other, rejuvenate their careers, get a second win. In the case of Zarface, you got Inspector Deck, who's always been a respected lyricist, link up with cats with dope concepts and dope production above all, and now he's got classics under his belt. You know and he's he's rejuvenated his career and uh and they just keep giving us consistent work you know i also thought about mad villain 
which at the time did not stand out to me that much. I don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the project. But if you recall around that time, like MF Doom and Mad Villain, I mean, and Madlib were collaborating with a bunch of people. Right. So to me, it wasn't it wasn't like a big deal that Doom and Madlib were, were linking up together. Like, because Madlib had just did J Lib and Doom had was, I think, a little bit after that, he did uh, the Danger Doom album. But that's another one. That's another one that stands out, of course. That, that one's reached cult classic status at this point. I'm going to name some others, and you tell me if they worked or if they didn't work. Slaughterhouse. Joe Ortiz, Crooked Eye, Joe Button, and Royce the Five Nine. I think Slaughterhouse worked conceptually because they put out some really good stuff, but their albums were not good. Yeah, yeah. It should have worked, but to, but it just yeah. didn't to me. Yeah, they they couldn't pull out put out put out solid projects. Like they could put out a hot song, and it'd be a bar fest, but they just weren't able to make the the full length projects work. Yeah, yeah, and, and they were with a label. Like like what what Slaughterhouse fans wanted was a a a solid concise project that was pushed lyricism to the forefront. Right. That's what Slaughterhouse fans wanted, but what their label wanted was something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- their label wanted to make them some sort of weird crossover success story, and that just wasn't happening. You know, like I don't even think they had it in them, to, to, like temperamentally, to like do that. You know, and that's, and, that's not those kind of MCs. It's not. It's not. You know, and then they had their own egos and. You know internal group conflicts and you know it's just it was doomed it was doomed from the start like on paper it just should have worked but it just didn't um next one kids see ghosts kid cuddy and kanye uh i think it worked i think it worked um i think it worked for what it was supposed to do it wasn't it's not a pure hip-hop album i wouldn't say but i think for what it, it what it was intended to be, I think it did work. It worked better than the, the Scots did. <laughs> yeah, I, I every I'll take your word for it. Everybody who who's listening to that album seems to like it. I've given it a couple run throughs, and it's like maybe I'm just not a Kid Cudi fan. I'm I'm starting to realize, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I'll, I'll take your word for it. Uh, Bad meets evil. Eminem and Royce did not work. Yeah, another one that had the potential, and and yep. there were a, a couple of tracks where they it, it it you were like okay they do got kind of got something here, but like I would say a good 70 percent of that album was just a dud. Like you know, it's just bad production choices, bad hooks, um, you know, some good bars thrown in there, but it's just it's just the project as a whole just didn't work and when it should have. I think Eminem's problem with both Slaughterhouse and Bad Meets Evil was this might be a little bit of a blind spot for him too. I don't think he maybe he didn't recognize his own privilege in that because he kept I think trying to use a formula that worked for him with these other rappers because they were of the similar ilk right because they're all lyricists but it's like yo you you operate in a space that's a little bit different. Yeah, you are an actual rapper, you know, and you come from like real hip hop stock, 
but at the same time, like you, you still are a white dude, you still do have a little bit of leverage by way of content and production and the way you can package a, a project up and sell it, and it it, it kind of works. You can't take that formula and apply it to somebody else without that that missing ingredient. It just doesn't work. Yeah, and that album came out eleven years too late. <laughs> agree, agree. Nobody wanted it at that time. Yeah, yeah. It was like it felt that like the, they just drop in like nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, no later than two thousand. Right. No later than 2000, 2001, because it felt like just something they did to like publicly declare that they they weren't beefing with each other anymore. Yes, but it just it it, it didn't work, and I, I I so wanted it to work. Yeah, you know, but it just didn't. Next up, the firm, Nas, Nature, Az, and Foxy Brown. Didn't work the way they should have. I have a bit of an affinity for that album. It's it's awful, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but every once in a while I'll still listen to it because <laughs> it makes me smile. But it's not good music. Yeah, it's it was a moment in time. I'll give it that. Like, no, it did not work like it should have worked. But there are probably a good four songs on there that that I think are solid and do work. One of them being Phone Tap. Yeah, Phone um, Tap is crazy. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, you know, Nas was coming off, uh, you know, his his very stellar sophomore album. It was written, you know, AZ had already given us Do or Die. You know, it, it should have worked. Like, Foxy Brown was like white hot at the moment at that time. It just it should have worked. But like, I've I've read articles about that particular project and how they were saying that like the the label was like rushing it and like. They they couldn't always ever get into the studio together to jail and they you had set a release. Jail. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can. They had set a release date and they were just like coming up on a release date and I was like, nah, that was not finished. But the the label wanted to put it out anyway, and you know, yeah, it, it didn't work. It didn't work like it like it should have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they haven't even reattempted. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, nah, they they did the one reunion track on King's Disease, right? But yeah, it, it just didn't work like it could have. Next one, next team up, Prime, DJ Premier, and Royce the Five Nine. I don't know why I didn't think about that. Prime absolutely worked. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they both knew the assignment. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Royce did what he did best. Premier did what he does best. He he gave us something funky, but yet boom bapish, but but also progressive sounding. And they complemented each other well. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't know how this was going to work because Royce could kind of have a herky jerky flow at times. But this one worked. always worked well with Premier though. I don't yeah. think he got a miss with Premier since since boom. Yeah, yeah. Since Boom, they've 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 jailed well together, and both you know the first Prime album and the second one. Um, you really can't go wrong. I think I'm trying to think which one I like more. I, I think I, I'm gonna go with the first one though. Yeah, I definitely like the first one more. I'm gonna go with the first one. The second one wasn't shabby either, but like that first one is fire. The first one is fire. Next up, Grave Diggers. Grave Diggers work. 
Yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm go. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Thumbs up on Grave Diggers. They were kind of. It a ain't super. for everybody though, but it is not. It is not. <laughs> like, like that that second album to me is a little bit more accessible and a little bit more polished than the first one. You gotta really be a true, true like died in the wool hip hop head to really rock with the first one. Like, I love the first one. The second one ain't bad either, though. It's some, it's some, definitely some cuts on that second one. But like that combination of RZA and Prince Paul, Prince with Paul, yeah, man, fun and poetic. It's just, yeah, it worked. It worked. Next one, two, one, three. Orange G, Nate Dogg, and Snoop. Snoop, I guess it worked. Like, I don't really remember it for real. I remember they dropped a single. I never actually listened to that album, but that, that wasn't for me. So I guess I that's an incomplete because I can't I can't speak on it with any in real honesty. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say it worked. I'm gonna say it worked. Did it? Did what? Did they have like chart toppers like the way like the solo Snoop stuff did? No, but I think for what they were, it worked. You know what I mean? Yeah, just being this really cool West West Coast group. You know, with with Nate Dogg on the hooks. I think I think for the most part it worked. I think for the most part it worked. Uh, next one, wish I had Nick on for this one. Felt, Murs and Slug. Felt works. I agree. I agree. Uh, and two, Slug and, and Murs are a good match for each other. I would say. They, they are. They are. They they match each other. They, their styles complement each other well. They've always had good production at the helm for their projects, and always reinvented themselves with each project like production wise um my favorite one is the second one uh the tribute to lisa bonet that's that's hands down my favorite felt uh project but they just you know they got a creative chemistry you know they're both in the same wheelhouse you know lyrically and, and thematically and yeah their records work man their records and, and their albums work there's another one. I, I mean, this dude's got so many collaborative albums. Like, I, I, I'm gonna just throw his name out, and like, you give me one or two that stuck with you. Apollo Brown. Yeah, he finds a way to make it work, man. Blasphemy, the the uh, uh, what's the joint with uh, Fillmore Green? Um, oh, the cost of living. Cost of living. Thank you. I wanted to say the cost of tea in China. I'm like, that ain't it. <laughs> cost of living the uh the danny brown joint like he's he's uh, i can't think of one that really that he's missed on i can't think of one either like the one the one that i, I probably bumped the least was anchovies with planet asia that was still good though it was it was yeah and he just dropped they just dropped sardines too not too long ago hmm Check that one out. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite project from Apollo Brown. His favorite, my favorite collaborative project is definitely Blasphemy with Razcast. Yeah. It's like the beats on there were, were just freaking insane, bro. Like it, it made no sense for the those beats to be that good. I also too am a fan of the Fillmore Green project, The Cost of Living, and I gotta gotta mention Dice Game uh, with Guilty Sense. Dice Game, yeah like insane production on there yeah apollo brown is a he's an unsung hero in hip-hop man like um he just he makes it work bro he knows how to make it work <laughs> yeah yeah 
Any others I'm forgetting? Uh so one that I wasn't I wasn't sold on at first, but eventually I kind of came around on was uh the Black Thorn Salah Remy. Okay, okay. And I remember when I listened to it the first time, like it was good, but I got I got tired of uh Salah Remy's production toward like the middle of the album. I don't know what I was on that first listen, but I do remember having that feeling about it. And then I don't know, it took me maybe two or three listens and I'm like, yo, I was tripping. This is a, this is incredible. So you're referring to the second one. You should refer to Streams of Thought too. Yeah. Dreams of Thought 2 is a masterpiece. And actually, now that you bring it up, man, Dangerous Thoughts. With Dangerous Danger Thoughts. Mouse. Yep. Um, that was one I that I wasn't sure about either. Really? I was kind of I was kind of over Danger Mouse at that point. Really? Yeah. I wasn't so much over him. It was just, I, it had been so long since I heard anything from him. I just kind of forgot about the dude. And then it's like, yeah, he popped up with black thought i'm like okay maybe I, I did at least trust him to bring back that kind of like acoustic sounding production that we got on um that we got on on, on volume two with, with salam mm-hmm. remy uh salam remy's very versatile as a producer and he he crafted a sound that almost sounded like a band like black thought was was yeah was still rapping to a band but um you know very very tight production on there um but yeah, dangerous thoughts was just oh my god. I, I know I know people have a problem with the mixing, and you know yes. I try to explain that it, it's supposed to sound dirty, y'all. It's supposed to sound this way. It's, it's supposed, supposed to sound. It's supposed unmixed. to sound loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, dirty is one thing. I get it. I, I I'm cool with it sounding rough. It was loud. Like why is this music so loud? I can't hear the I can't hear the lyrics. <laughs> Ain't nobody here to see you, Otis. What else? Oh, I I don't know how I forgot this one. Scaring the holes. Danny Brown and JPEG Mafia. Um Yeah, that was one that it probably should not have worked. Because <laughs> <laughs> JPEG Mafia's production, particularly on that one, was just just out of here. <clears throat> Excuse me. I feel like the um yeah, that one. That one took a minute to grow on me too, because I was like, "This is this is cacophony here. What is <laughs> what is happening in my ears?" Yeah, yeah, it is an assault on the senses. Um, but it works, man. It works. Like the funny thing is, it's like when I don't know if you've ever heard Danny Brown tell the story about how the two of them got linked up, but nah. based, but basically it was like some industry friend of theirs, some mutual friend was like telling Danny Brown, oh man, you're going to love this dude, JPEG Mafia. He a weirdo just like you. And he was just like, hey man, what do you mean by that? You know? And, right. then, <laughs> and then he met the dude and then heard his music and he was like, oh man, like, I, I, I love I love what this guy's doing. You know, like, this is some next level stuff. And they linked up, got together, and the rest was history. But yeah, he said people kept telling him they're like, yo, you gotta meet this dude, you gotta hear this dude, JPEG Mafia. Like, I think y'all would get along. And yeah, I'm gl- whoever that was, I'm glad they did it because they they gave us a very uh, memorable hip hop album. It's just, I, man, I, I can't wait for the next one. I, I can't I wait. I was for, just gonna say that. <laughs> can't wait for scaring the hoes too, because the EP that they dropped last year was dope too. 
Yeah. So that little four track DLC pack, like, was it was fire, man. It was fire. It's like, man, like, I'm with they it. They can't call it. Uh, they can't call it scaring the hoes too, though. They gotta call it scaring the hoes some more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with it, man. I'm That's with free it. Game, free, free game for Danny Brown and JPEG Mafia. <laughs> scaring the whole some more. <laughs> yeah, I am with it, man. I am with it. But uh, but yeah, man. That's that's um, <laughs> that's. It. I just wanted to discuss a few a few rap team ups, man. You know, it's funny. It's like it's like so, a lot of times the, the 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 projects that they tell us to be excited about. It's like hear them, and it's like they're kind of a letdown. It's like you know, we did not once mention in this discussion Watch the Throne, and I don't. It's not. It's not so much that I don't think there are good songs on Watch the Throne, but it wasn't enough to save the project. It, it was just to me, I felt it. Was, it it felt like a very ill-conceived. It, it felt like they were just skating off their names. I mean, it kind of sounded like what I thought it would sound like. Those rich niggas talking about rich nigga stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just when it came out, it's just, I don't know. I was just expecting something a little bit more groundbreaking because it's like I'm trying to think. Like we had all, yeah, yeah. My beautiful twisted dark fantasy had already dropped. What was the last J project at that point? American Gangster, maybe? Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Or was it uh, Blueprint 3? Might have been Blueprint 3. Let me see. Because, like, I know I know, Watch the Throne was 2011. So, Blueprint 3 was 2009. Yeah, yeah American Blueprint 3, man. Yeah, American Gangster was 2007. Yeah, and then... And then he did Blueprint 3 in 2009, which I thought was a decent album, honestly. Um, right. And then he did Magna Carta Holy Grail in 2013. Yeah. So, yeah, they were both coming off decent albums at the time. So it's like, you know, I, I thought it was going to be good. I mean, I, I know people right now who, who kind of argue that, that 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 Watch the Throne is a classic. I, I wholeheartedly disagree, but... Hey, that's just me. I was I was supremely underwhelmed by it when it came out. But um yeah, man, I just wanted to talk about some 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 rap team ups. But um yeah, let's move right along, man. There is a album celebrating a 20th anniversary uh this week, in fact. And apropos to just what we were just talking about, it is Kanye West's debut album, College Dropout. College Dropout is turning 20 years old this week. Of course, it was, you know, Kanye's debut album. And for for many of us, his our first exposure to Kanye West as a solo artist. And up until that point, he, you know, he had been almost strictly an in-house producer for, uh, for for Rockefeller. Of course, he did some other things before then with, with local groups and whatnot. But um, he really got his big break and his, his breakout moment with the college dropout. Take me back to 2004, man. How, how did you receive this album? Uh, was it something that that stayed in your your CD player for a long time? How did you how how did it hit you in 2004? It hit me right in 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 the soul, <laughs> right in the chipmunk soul. Uh, Kanye, <laughs> Kanye's college dropout spoke to me as a college dropout at that time. 
and I was I was very uh, kind of frustrated with that whole <laughs> that part of my my uh, my educational career, and I was actively like fighting against the need to have had a degree at the time. Like I don't need this nigga. I'm, I'm smarter than these niggas I'm in school with anyway, and blah 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 blah. And I'm gonna say I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> to this day <laughs> and um you know Kanye kind of had a little bit of that rebellious spirit about him plus he operated in a space in hip hop we really weren't seeing at the time you, you had the haves and the have nots you got the backpack backpackers and the con- I mean the uh backpackers and the and the radio rappers and he was very much the bridge there and for me that's kind of the space I exist in right I like conscious rappers but you know, I could get down with a Jay Z, and that just just wasn't there. Just was no space for that, right? It was one or the other. And even though in the industry, like they rock with each other, but we were fed the narrative that there was this great divide in hip hop like that. And Kanye at the time just kind of bridged the gap there, and he he really opened up a lane for the more artsy type of rappers. Like you ain't have to be super thugged out. You didn't have to be a drug dealer. You didn't have to be you know the shiny suit nigga either you just be a regular cat and and you know he was speaking for, for you know for the artsy nerdy niggas like me and like i said the, the name of the album college dropout was pretty apropos for where i was at the time yeah same yeah i um i was a fan of this album when it first dropped absolutely you know i wasn't i wasn't as no offense to anybody but i wasn't as hard on its nuts as as a lot of my peers were at the time you know a lot of cats i was hanging with at the time just acted like he had just reinvented the wheel but like i still rocked with the album you know it was it was definitely it was definitely a welcome sound to my ear because it was it was one it was a moment for chicago as well like i found his sound to be very chicago and it was kind of like at this weird intersection of progressive sample-based production, and as you already mentioned, this kind of this crossover mainstream appeal, you know. And he was collaborating with some real MCs too. And it was just it. it I was always a more of a fan of sample-based production than, you know, the other stuff. And like after hearing people try to convince me for five years you know coming off five years of people trying to convince me that swiss beats was a goat producer man kanye (laughs) kanye west was very much a welcome sound and a welcome flavor to my ears um you know and and you know it was it was creative man it was it was very creative it was it was play it was playful and lighthearted, but it could also get somber at the same time like you know you had songs like family business and uh, you know, uh, spaceship, spaceship, school spirit, but you also had lighthearted tracks like "We Don't Care" and "Workout Plan." What else? Uh, you know, Slow Jams was a great club joint. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Walks kind of got a little cringe for me. The more it, it got played, you know, on the radio, and uh, what was the other one? Through the wire, through the wire, it it was it was yeah, always it was a fun. Yeah, it got overdone, but I, I still am fond of Through the Wire uh, to an extent. I absolutely, absolutely love Two Words. Two Words is still my favorite uh, track on that album, along with, with Spaceship as a close second. But um, it, it, it felt like a moment. 
you know what I mean? It felt like in 2004, like, especially here in Chicago on the South Side, like, Kanye kind of owned that whole spring and summer. Yeah. Um, you know, he was doing shows everywhere, popping up at this place, popping up at UIC, and, and doing shows to promote the album. And it was a it was a moment, man. It was a moment for him, for 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 hip hop, for Chicago. It is a moment in time I kind of look back fondly on, you know, less for the music and more with where I was at in my personal life and you know the different changes and growth I was going through then as a young man and as a college dropout myself. You know, it, I always look back on it on that that period fondly somewhat. I guess I guess my question, man, after 20 years, does this album still hold up? I think so. I don't think it's um, it doesn't feel as monumental to me as it did at the time. But I think I think that might be doing it a bit of disservice, though, because it really did usher in not solely, but it. it definitely helped usher in a new breed of MCs. So the whole like all the 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 All City Chess Club MCs, that collective kind of are birthed out of this sound. So your J. Coles, your Blue, your Lupe, um Charles Hamilton, uh who else was who else was down with them? Asher Roth like all them cats and some obviously more successful than others but like college dropout was kind of the the experiment that allowed for the industry to say okay well yeah there's room for there's room for these cats too so then we got like the cool kids that came after that and kids in the hall to, to you know for better or worse <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you're not wrong you're not wrong in your assessment of, of who he blew open the doors for, I just I'm in my head. I'm still trying to figure out if it was it was if it was for better or for worse. I, I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say it, it was for better because w- without this little moment in time, you're right. You don't get the blues. You don't get the cool kids. You don't get you know a, the Lupe's. You know right. a lot of artists that really did push it forward. You you did get a lot of fly by night MCs that were more styled in substance, but eventually time and the, the audience's ears weeded those people out pretty quickly. So yeah, you you did you did get that, and even Kid Cudi. You know I'll go ahead yes. go ahead and throw Kid Cudi in there too. So you you did get that next wave of of I don't want to call it alternative rap, but like. That's kind of what it is, though, right? Because it's not quite the tra- rap in the traditional sense. Yeah. 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 Like, even a Kendrick. Kendrick is up at ilk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. They, these are all kids of Kanye. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, you might even make the argument Drake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look I look back on that on that moment in time. And what immediately came after it is kind of like a, it, it did feel like a changing of the guard for hip hop. You know, it kind of, it's kind of similar to when in in the nineties, when you had, you had Nas drop, it was written on the same day as De La Soul dropping Stakes is High. And yes. people kind of talk about that as being like the first real schism in hip hop. It's like, 
you know, people who gravitated toward Dela, they eventually became the new avant-garde of the, the independent scene. And then came the Jay Dillas and the Slum Villages and the Raucous Records and all of that. And then people kind of gravitated toward that more commercial sound that Nas had on It Was Written. You know, that led into the Jay-Z's, the, um, yep. right. You know, the DMX's, uh, you know, cats who, who, who kind of fell into that line, the Noriega's, the, the big puns. Um, and I, I kind of, kind of see a same thing here with the release of Kanye because Kanye came, people kind of forget Kanye came like what a year after 50 Cent did. Yeah. You know, and we and, saw how they converged later. Right, definitely saw they converged later. You know, which was a a, a very uh, <clears throat> well conceived uh, marketing ploy. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. Whereas, like, you had people who kind of wanted that more harder edge, flossy hip hop, versus people who wanted more. Uh, I don't even want to call. It, I don't want to call it soft, but I don't know what else to call it. Help me out here. Like, I guess it's more hard. progressive. It's, it's- yeah, progressive. Progressive, I think, is better. More progressive and, and, and a little bit more introspective sounding hip hop. You know, I I, I think it's I, it's kind of comparable to that 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 schism that we saw in the '90s. We saw another one in the 2000s with you know Kanye and all the all the artists he birthed, and then 50 Cent and all the artists he birthed and influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think that yeah, that's that's definitely something that happened. You know, did something similar happen in the 2010s? I don't know. I would have to do my Googles and see. But like, yeah, that definitely happened. That definitely happened with with, with Kanye and, and, and G Unit. Do you think? Cause see, I was listening to it. I was listening to it earlier this week, uh, College Dropout, and it was like, I used to think this was his best album, but as I've listened to it, it's like for me, certain tracks have not aged as well as I thought. Agreed. And I'm like, okay, maybe maybe my beautiful Twisted Dark Fantasy is his best album. You know, I'll go ahead and give the nod to that. But like, I, I still like what we got with, with, with College Dropout. Do you think, man, do you think Kanye can return to form? No. He ain't been right since Donda died. And it's only gotten worse the, the farther and farther away it's been from that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. I, 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 yeah, he just so much, so much can change with a person in 20 years. You know, I, I think right. about how much I've changed since this album came out in the past 20 years. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go back to what I was on in 2004 if I tried. Like, <laughs> right. Right, you know, um, I just I can't I can't unsee what I've seen, Jamil. Like, <laughs> like but, but usually, you know, because we all have that kind of change, your life should change, but it's usually for the better, right? You grow through experiences, and you you become a better version of yourself. Right. This nigga Kanye is way off the reservation. Yeah, yeah. That nigga's on planet Yay, all by himself. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, the, he still has some stands out here that are holding out hope that he will return to form. You know, I just, I yeah, I just don't see it. Like, like I think 
I think musically he can still churn out something that that feels inspired, but lyrically, like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trust him to say anything that I can relate to at this at this moment in time. Um, nah. You know, he's just kind of a he's just kind of a broken man. You know what I mean? But um, yep. You know, it's except not 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 recognizing it as as such. Yeah, he's like defiant in that. So yeah, it's unfortunate, man. Um, favorite five tracks from College Dropout. Ooh, Spaceship, Family Business, Get Them High. Is that three or four? Let's see what I say. Spaceship. Special family business, get them high. Never let me down. You and like that one? I do. I do. I've always like never let me down. Jay Z felt superfluous for me, but um, I love the J Ivy verse like crazy. Um, and I and I just enjoy the melody of that one. Uh, let's pick a fun one. I ain't gonna go with two words because even though two words is a hot one, but that one was mentioned. Let's go breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out was hilarious. I really like that one. Breathe in, breathe out. Yeah. Kanye Kanye had some bars in there that made me laugh on that one. (laughs) Can't take that all at one time, girl. You gotta breathe. Why he out tricking off? Don't get no rich nigga. Give me some head. That'll really piss him off. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. Um, man, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with spaceship. I'm gonna go with school spirit. I'm gonna school go. With, it was hot. It was. I'm gonna go with two words. I'm gonna go with all falls down, and I'm gonna go with family business. Mm. Uh, family business still is still I still find that to be a very touching track. Uh, yes. School spirit is just fun. Two words is just it's just fun. You know, all falls down reminds us. It just reminds me of the person Kanye used to be. Used to be. Yep. You know. And then spaceship is just that track is butter. That track is butter. Yeah, yeah. Those those are the ones I'm rocking with. Is there an overrated song from this album? Aside from the obvious Jesus walks, um, <laughs> I agreed. You know, even though this was on my list, I'm gonna go with "Get Him High." I was. I'm gonna go with "Get Him High." I'm gonna go like, with "Get Him High." I enjoyed it. It was one of my favorites. But niggas acted like this was <laughs> <laughs> like he came down with two stone tablets. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, take it easy. Common wasn't even on the same song with them. <laughs> like, like that's the thing, man. It's like I was like, okay, yeah, he's got Common and Talib was on that too, right? Yeah, Kwali was on that. Yeah, I like, like clearly, I- Common was a last minute addition because Kanye and Kwali's verses mesh they were telling a story and then common just came out of nowhere talking about something completely different it was cold but it was not cohesive right right i mean the cohesion whatever i i'll, I'll give that a pass i just the, the way niggas was was uh, jumping up and down about that track i'm like 
I'm like, y'all never heard, y'all didn't hear comment on verbal murder. Y'all didn't hear comment on one nine nine nine. Like, like this is common kind of phoning it in to me. Like, right. This wasn't resurrection. I mean, not resurrection. Um, why am I blanking on it? On the black star. Right. This ain't respiration comment. Respiration. Thank you. Respiration. This ain't, this ain't even um, cra- this uh, ain't uh, stolen moments. <laughs> No, it's not stolen moments comment. It's not even slam pit comment. That track he did with the beat nuts. Right. It's like to me his verse from Slam Pit was way better than the verse from Get Em High. But you know, hey, look, y'all want to show Chicago love? I'm fine with y'all showing Chicago love. But I just, I, I did not get the hype over that track. I just did not. That's fair. <laughs> you know. But um, but yeah, man. Shout out to the college dropout still a phenomenal album you know it, it it has aged somewhat you know and but it's 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 a good reminder of why we were we became fans of kanye in the first place i knew man real talk i knew i knew cats who wanted to become producers overnight because of this album right right you know, they wanted to make the type of music kanye was making that's that's what i was running into you know what i mean because i was at the time a aspiring mc and as aspiring mcs tend to do you tend to link up with a lot of different producers anyone who says they got beats you want to hear their beats and it was like right. i'm hearing i'm hearing a lot of bungos i'm hearing a lot of chipmunk soul and sped up samples and I mean, you couldn't get away from it you know what i mean not at the time yeah not in 2004 <laughs> you know between kanye and ninth wonder Zeppelin was back <laughs> yeah yeah and that's the thing like to me you know while i like kanye to me he wasn't even as dope as knife at the time yeah i don't even really compare them though like they both sample but they were it was just different that's uh, that's ninth, that's true ninth was much more like traditional boom bap hip-hop with a sample kanye was melody and niggas to rap over it yeah yeah yeah, you're right. You're right. It's very much boom bap versus melody. <clears throat> yeah, you are correct. You are correct. Yeah, but yeah, I just wanted to wanted to honor and say a few words on that album on its 20th anniversary. Let's dive into our album face off for the night. Um, we had to do what we had to double back and <laughs> do do two albums that we meant to do uh, some time ago. But this week we are putting Overcast by Atmosphere against doom by the group mood and one corner with atmospheres overcast album it was their debut album released august 5th 1997 on rhyme sayers entertainment uh it clocks in at 18 tracks in 72 minutes and it was entirely produced by ant a group member ant and then in the other corner uh mood with their debut album doom was released August 23rd, 1997. I did not know these albums were released two weeks apart, um, or three weeks apart, rather, on Blunt Recordings, clocking in at 18 tracks and 62 minutes, produced by Jason and DJ High Tech. DJ High Tech made his first real appearance on this particular album, even though he was not an official member of the group. Uh, this was kind of like his first material that, that introduced him to the world. 
Um, this album also features a young unsigned MC by the name of Talib Kweli. So both of these are very storied albums, uh, very storied underground albums. Um, I wish Nick was on the sh- could have made it on the show tonight because he always has some like trivia nuggets, some hip hop trivia nuggets that right. he shares that gives more context. So, you know, but hey, he got, you know, he he got he he out here living life and he got a family and everything. So, you know, West he, Coast in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He out here West Coast in it. So <laughs> can't always can't always hop on, you know what I'm saying? He's a busy man, but I kind of wish I had him on for this one because I, I know he's got some 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 trivia, some 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 facts factoids for us. But okay. um, I'll give it up to you first, Jamil. Of course, this is us just just us two. Uh, between these two albums, man, which one were you feeling more, and why? Between Overcast by Atmosphere and Doom by the group Mood. I um. I had to say, man, fourteen-year-old me would have, would have. This would have been right up my alley. This was, this was all I was about. This is the type of the hip hop that I was kind of growing into and seeking out at this time. Although I caught on to both of these projects late, I didn't catch them in '97. Um, and uh, as far as the the mood album, you had to be somebody if you was going to go to Doctor Wax and get that. Yeah, I actually copied it from um, Crowsons. That was that was wise. You was downtown. <laughs> <laughs> you finna just walk out the walk out the record stuff with a six point stop. <laughs> right, 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 right. Hey, hey, but I couldn't listen to it on the block, you know. <laughs> Not at all. You had to keep that in the CD case. <laughs> I mean, exactly. in the CD player, the case do not come out. Um. Nah, this was a nice trip down memory lane for both of them. Um, man, the the mood is so dark and, if you'll pardon the expression, moody. I love DJ High Tech's production on this, though. Uh, it was raw. It was You could tell he was like just kind of developing his sound. Um, as far as the lyrical content on it, it was... That's definitely my speed as far as um, it's it, it was like half street, half <laughs> half and the biggest of air quotes holy like the, the <laughs> yeah the random the random uh, the ma- random like spiritual lines that don't necessarily make sense if you really think about it but it sound deep when you were a kid. Right, right, right. Like all oh, these cats is on something. Right. They right, man. They make me want to read some books. They're talking about pyramids and stuff. Um right. <laughs> So I, I really did have to, for lack of a better word, turn my brain off a little bit for it. Um and just kinda enjoy it, right? Because if I hear it through the ears of myself when I first heard it, like, yo, this would this this is my jam, this is my jam. And I still enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, the atmosphere was definitely not that it was it was also again a Miley as far as just some underground hip hop just something different um, I kind of I kind of dug um, Slug's vo- uh, vocals on this one until I didn't it, it started to get a little bit annoying about the, uh, the middle of the album but I did like um, the 
the contrast and production style for this one where mood was very very dark pretty well all the way through um atmosphere kind of took you on a range of different subject matters and, and topics and you know I could, I could definitely rock with that one and these were good companion pieces together i think one right after the other makes them makes them both a little more palatable um but as far as what like what i was rocking with the most i know everybody's expecting me to hit you with the twist at the end and y'all know i always got something to say about the guests so i know you're thinking i'm gonna say oh yeah we gonna go with the but i'm going with the do uh the, the doom on this one Mm. The the overcast was dope. Um, especially I can't remember the name of the track, but track number two, the beat on that one was insane. Oh, info um, for the streets. Info for the streets. Thank you. The beat on that one was crazy. Um, I enjoy atmosphere, but I think sometimes for me the disconnect with their content gets to be it, it takes me out. Like I'll find myself drifting off and not paying attention because I'm like, well, these niggas ain't talking about nothing. And it's not that they're not talking about nothing. It's just they're not talking about subject matter that I can necessarily relate to or from a point of view that is is one that I can can kind of get into. So it, it loses me from time to time. But it's still a quality, quality project and a definite must listen Um you know, if you if you haven't if you haven't heard it before and you into you know some late nineties underground hip hop, like this is definitely a must listen. Both of them, honestly, but um, yeah, for me it was the it was the 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 mood album. All right, all right, understood, man, understood. Um, man, you 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 hit a lot of the talking points I was going to hit. I I got I got. The mood album when I was like I got put on this when I was like seventeen. I got put on to the to the atmosphere overcast when I was like eighteen. So not a ton of time in between when I got put on to these particular releases. I actually I want to say I got put on to atmosphere through Seven's Travels. I think I copped that first, and somebody was telling me, "No, nah, you need to go back and cop Overcast." And um. I ended up going back, copping Overcast, and I was mad that I did not cop Overcast first. Right. Um, this was back when there were still five people in Atmosphere, and I, I hate that they did not stay as they were constructed with their first album. It was it because it was Slug, Ant, Spawn, Beyond, and Stress, and three of the MCs just left the group oh. after yeah after the first album. <laughs> Which is a shame because like they had dope rhymes, dope voices. They balanced out slug very well. And these niggas could rap, man. Um, you know, the atmosphere was was a great trip down memory lane. I, I really after with this album heavy. Uh when I when I was first exposed to it. You know, and, and conceptually, conceptually it, it it hits. Um, you know, you weren't getting tracks like this conceptual tracks like this even with, with a lot of late 90s hip-hop you know that was this good you know the the eric b and rakim uh homage with clay complications uh where they were rapping about the chick that 
was like married or had a boyfriend but was messing with one of the dudes and then he went in on her and then his friend went in on her for playing around with his with his friend uh the intro track 1597 was like epic um even even the um the album cover um was inspired by uh an andrew hill album um this jazz artist um from the 60s i can't remember the name of the album but it was by this uh this this jazz artist named andrew hill who had a very similar album cover um you had to track uh multiples was it wait which one which one was the one where he was rapping in the alphabet uh oh multiples reprise that's what i was just gonna say multiples reprise where every word in the first bar started with a and then the second bar started with b with c and yep. b go on and went on and went on like that was the first time i had ever heard anything like that done very dope also the track uh caved in about what dude was rapping about when his dad died um you also had scapegoat which was like a very dope conceptual track where he's rapping about all the things that people blame for their shortcomings i thought that was very dope um of course current status was dope but it's probably one of my favorite tracks on there and um i feel like i'm forgetting something uh oh writers never die wmd i liked it but it was kind of a it was kind of like a narrative that just didn't go anywhere right um about the dude who gets beat up and then he goes to try to get a gun and it was just like i thought i was going to get something a, a better climax at the end of that that story but it kind of fell flat at the end but you know I, I still enjoyed the track the thing is the production on here while it's dope the drums on here just kind of after a while the drums on here start to sound the same from track to track yes now going to the mood though the mood main flow and dante they just have smoother flows they had slightly better product well i'm not gonna say slightly they did have better production the production has aged better and they had better hooks yeah they had better hooks um neither of these albums had tracks that made you sit back and think or re reflect very deeply and introspectively despite moods pseudo-religious vernacular that they bombarded <laughs> you with they try you know, to make you think <laughs> right it's like i'm like ah where do y'all stand like i don't really know what y'all not that it matters but it's like y'all kind of confusing me right now y'all throwing a lot at me you know yeah you said a lot of big words because i don't know what they mean i'm gonna take them as disrespect right watch your right. mouth watch, help me with watch the your mouth <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So you thought a lot of big words that you're saying, <laughs> but yeah, it's like you know, coming at me about Babylon the Great and this, this, and that. And you know, I mean, there was definitely some lines on here that one could 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 classify as homophobic, you know, but that was yeah, that was how MC that was the time talked back then, what it was, yeah. you know. But yeah, they're throwing a lot at me talking about Babylon the Great and this, this, and that. And, I'm like, I don't know if y'all are Muslims, Hebrew Israelites, Rastafarians. I don't know what y'all are, but you know, y'all kind of all over the place. Um, yeah. That all that being said, I'm gonna give the edge to the mood. I think it is a great time capsule of mm -hmm. what was going on hip hop. Both these albums are a great time capsule. You got Minneapolis and you got Cincinnati. 
two cities that are ignored in the overall hip-hop conversation they're in flyover country and both these albums represent these cities extremely well and what was going on in the underground scene at this time extremely well i do think that the mood was more of a greater springboard for what happened in hit in the hip-hop scene the underground hip-hop scene moving forward because this is the album that did launch the careers of dj high tech Antalib Kwali. Kwali, yeah. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing on the atmosphere that is quite as dope as Karma and Cincinnati. Cincinnati is bananas. Um, so I'm giving a slight edge to the mood, but I still, there's still a lot that I like about Overcast, but you know listening to the album from beginning to end it's like yeah these drums some of these drums just kind of kind of sound the same and i get it it was it was their first album these are underground cats they probably didn't have a huge budget when it came to production it is what it is i still think they made the album work i still think it's a classic i think they represent it very well uh from track to track especially with the conceptual tracks and because of the conceptual tracks i almost gave it to atmosphere but mm. the overall package, the way the way Dante and Main Flow wrap up th- these these the, their, their flows with these multi-syllabic rhymes, the way they ride the beat, the way they craft their hooks, I just think it was an overall better sounding package. It went down a little smoother. Hey yo, yo Gail, pause, <laughs> pause. <laughs> <laughs> Pause, but uh, like if you want to hear some dope underground late 90s hip-hop listen to both these albums honestly yeah and together honestly they they are really good companion pieces i think yeah they are one balance one balances the other out they are they are you know yeah great great production on the on the move too like i know some people might try to find it might find it a little dark and like you said moody but I enjoyed it, man. I, I enjoyed it. Like I, I listen to this, it's like, oh yeah, hip hop did used to sound like this. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. You know, and it was just, it was, it was great, man. I, I really enjoyed both these albums. I really did. All right, let's go ahead. Let's cap off this episode like we always do with another segment of what you're bumping. Where I invite y'all to share with the listeners what you've been bumping, whether it be old new or just something the audience has not heard so man what you been bumping man uh, that benny been in, in heavy rotation uh everybody can't go uh, speaking of Kanye, I also was bumping that uh, 808s and Heartbreak. Yeah. Was bumping that uh, Bumpy Knuckles and Premier Collection, and also uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff the Magnificent. Oh snap! Throwback. Yeah, man. Classic, bro. Classic. That one is definitely a classic. Definitely, definitely. All right, for myself, I've been bumping. I had to throw on the killer mic today, bro. Yeah, I had to throw that on. Um, 
Yeah, I was bumping Michael. I was also bumping Cappadonna the Pillage because I wanted to revisit that and make sure I wasn't bugging. You know, when when when, when certain heads get at me because they, they feel I didn't do a certain album right, it bothers my conscience, bro. I got to go back and listen to it. I feel you. I feel you. It's worth checking it just, just to make sure. Just to make sure. Just to make sure I wasn't tripping. I was also bumping Arrested Development's new album, Bullets in the Chamber. Bruh. I didn't know they had... Yo, what's wild is... So I was listening to Tennessee on a, uh, just on a playlist. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this album. And I just never got around to it. I didn't realize they dropped nothing new. They did. And it's, it's phenomenal. Oh, it's phenomenal. Um, I want to review this album... Okay, so here's what I'm trying to do for Black History Month. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do at least three weekends, three Saturdays where we review a couple of albums just to do a little something extra for the listeners for the channel. I gotta, we gotta review this, bro. I'm with it. We gotta review this. Bullets in the Chamber by Arrested Development. One of the best albums I've heard. I know it's, I know it's February, but it's, it is, it is, this is one of the best albums I've heard this year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You just got heat like last week. I know. I know. You got to check out this Arrested Development. I've been bumping that. I've also been bumping a new Bruiser Wolf album. My Story Got Stories. Jamil, we got to review this. That would too, huh? We got to review this. I I was on the fence about the Bruiser Wolf because it was... It was it was getting kind of mixed reviews, some good, mo- mostly good reviews, but some mixed reviews. And I was like, eh, I've heard this dude before on some Danny Brown tracks, and it was it sounded like you would expect it to sound. And I'm like, okay, I don't the production that he's rapping over. I'm not really a fan of it. It doesn't complement his flow well. But bro, this album is phenomenal. I I can't I haven't been able to stop listening to it. My story got stories. Um, he's kind of like he's kind of like Stove God Cooks mixed with E40. Sold. Okay, <laughs> he said, so, like, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bruiser Wolf, my story got stories. I was also bumping the Alcoholics Liquidation, and I did get around to bumping the Alchemist and Hit Boy, uh, Theodore and Andre. So, okay. Um, I did get around to that. Um, it was a dope listen, nice, nice short dope listen. Only three tracks, but yeah, man, yeah. Yo, where you at with Snowfall right now? I'm curious. Um, I, I finished up season four and I took a break. <laughs> okay, that was that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that season that that four, season that four was season, a lot. Yeah, season four had me stressed, bro. <laughs> It had me stressed. I'm like, Leon is not going to get out this season alive. I didn't think he would. And maybe he did or didn't. We don't know because I'm not spoiling nothing. Yeah, it was... That was... Uh, I didn't think the situation was going to end up very well for such and such that, that caught the bullets. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and I'm very curious about the new hires the, the shooters the new hires can they be the, the the two the two women that they basically made them kill us for hire 
Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I got I you. I don't know yeah. if that was a one-time thing or if they're going to be around or what. And can yeah, they be black, black, Black Diamond in Dallas, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, stay tuned. Stay tuned for season five, bro. Like, season five, season five is phenomenal, too. You and know. I see that uh, old girl is making her reappearance. What's her, what's her name? The the Latina chick that disappeared, but I know she ain't gone. Yeah. Lucia. Yeah. Lucia. Lucia. Yeah, man. Season five is season five is dope, man. Season five is, is dope. Like like I mean season so is season six too. But like, yeah, season five is man, it's it's it, it continues to deliver. It does not have a weak season. I don't I don't see how it could, because everything like there are no accidents like everything has a purpose everything has had a purpose so far yeah all the loose ends get tied up like even if you only see a person for a moment they're gonna pop back up yeah. even with the 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 you know the last or close to last scene from season four when he went down to texas she was like just tell me the truth bye Oh, yeah, yeah. And then left his cane behind. <laughs> left the cane. I'm good now. Yeah, it's like, man, I don't need this no more. You know? Um, yeah, that was cold blooded. That was cold blooded. Um, yeah, bro. Like, like it's uh, stay tuned, bro. But I take it you're enjoying it. I am. Yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal show, man. Um, <laughs> my boy Jerome was MVP uh, season four. Man, he stepped up. <laughs> Whatever you did, you going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all going to the di- to the we goddamn clink. <laughs> <laughs> His curls stayed on point, boy. Yeah, even man. that part, even that, even that, like it's the details, man. Because his curl was not like that in season one, and it just progressively got longer. And it, it as he got more into it, it grew out a little more. And that's how it would have been in real life. It takes time to get your curl perfected. Yeah, man. I like, yeah, yeah. Jerome, Uncle Jerome was my guy, man. That was my guy all throughout the show, bro. Like. Like he he was probably the most relatable. Like, yeah, he was real. All going he to the real. Point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But that is the show. Oh, album anniversaries for us. Not a whole lot this week. Uh, you know, albums don't really drop too crazy this early in the year. But uh, celebrating five years this week, we got uh, people's people on the stairs with sincerely the P. Ah, yes. That is a great album, too. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Then we got to go 30 years to 94 um, to get to the Fuji's Blunted on Reality. Oh, snap. Okay. Which another one is definitely, definitely worth going, going back for. And uh, celebrate. What's the date? I don't want it. Nope. Dang. Dang it. Well, celebrating um, 35 years, I, I'm trying to make sure that's still within the week. Even if it's not, it's worth it's worth a shout out if we missed it last week. Uh, Kwame 
with uh, Kwame and the, uh, the, the Boy Genius speeches featuring A New Beginnings, his debut joint, 35 years for Kwame. And uh, next week, I'm very, very excited for an album uh, anniversary that's coming out next week. I almost spilled the beans on it, but it's not this week. It'll be next week. Okay. All right. Look, is, is, it, is it one we need to do a deep dive on? I don't think we can. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to send it to you right now. In fact, I'm going to send it to you while we're on the mic because I think the audience would get a kick out of your reaction. I mean, I'm cool with doing a deep dive on it, but I don't know how beneficial it would be for the audience. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to offend nobody's sensibilities again. That's what I'm saying. I didn't, I didn't learn my lesson with that. So. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Damn. So that's celebrating what? Thirty-five? You said? Yeah, thirty-five. Wow. We owe. Okay. All right. It deserves a mention, you know. For sure. And 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 just that, just a mention in passing uh, among deserves among a group of other albums. You, you're gonna get. You're gonna come back with something if you do too much of a deep dive on that album. Uh, hey, that's the truth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, we um we will be back next week. Um. The show will be a little blacker, so um, <laughs> in honor of Black History Month. Oh, so Month. no more, no more atmosphere. <laughs> no, no, at least not in the in the in the in the uh, in the album face off. So, um, and we have our season finale cipher we're gonna do um, uh, next next week as well. So, um, okay, okay, everybody, get your bars ready. I need to get mine ready because I have not written anything. Um. Hopefully I can conjure something, but you know, um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully I could I could conjure something and not embarrass myself and um, my family. Not at all, not at all. But that is the show, Jamil. I want to thank you once again for hopping on and making the show sure. what it is. And with that, we will be back next week. And with that, I'm gonna say peace. peace.
Oh, who white and who black? Critics wanna mention that they miss when hip hop was rapping. My God, like if you did, then Killer Mike could be platinum. Yes, 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 yes,